0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kyle Fincham. This is Behind the Movement, and you're listening to episode number 50 5-0. The 50th episode of the the Unplanned Accidental Podcast. Um Yeah. Like uh like most things I feel like when I reflect on in my life, the things that um Things that I look back on the most fondly uh, were products of accidents and surprises. So uh, keeping with that theme, this podcast is one of my favorite things, and it is uh, a complete accident. Um, so I'm excited that uh, for the 50th episode, my friend Tom Wexler, who was on the very first one before I knew it would be, uh, an ongoing regular podcast. Um, he accepted my invitation to come back to be number 50. Um, so I'm really excited to share this with you. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time here in the beginning because we had a, a really, uh, rich, long conversation. So I I just don't want to eat up too much, too too much time. So, uh, we can get to get to that. Um, so I just got a couple of announcements. First, if you're in Boulder, Denver, somewhere in the in the area or you're getting close to it, um I teach infinite play every week at Block 1750. Um that's at 10:30 a.m. on Thursdays. Uh the block is an amazing special place. It's a uh, it's awesome to be kind of Throwing a little bit of my spice into it. Um, So yeah, if you're into that, if you're in the area, you can go to block1750.com and you can uh, sign up for that class. Um, Next weekend, on May 9th, I'll be facilitating an Infinite Play event in Seattle. That's on Mother's Day, uh, that Sunday. Um, So bring everybody, bring your mom. And it's at 10 a.m. It's an outdoor event. If you want to sign up for that, you can go to movementbrooklyn.com, and there's a uh, an events page there, and you can uh, follow the link. And then the following weekend, on Saturday, the 15th, um, I'll be facilitating an infinite play in the Bay Area. Um, that's... San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley. The, uh, the park I'll be facilitating in is in Emeryville, um, which is uh, not far from the athletic playground who is hosting the event. Um, so I'm really uh, grateful that, uh, that they'll be hosting me and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to uh, get out there and uh, connect with some of their people. Um, so yeah, that's at that's at 10 a.m. on that Saturday. If you want to sign up for it, you can go to tapgym.com. That's T-A-P-G-Y-M dot com. And uh, there's a, a, a workshop page there where you can sign up. Um, and we also have it on the Movement Brooklyn uh, website as well. Those are my announcements. That's it. Um, I think we'll have some more Infinite Play events kind of popping up throughout the summer, but I will uh, I will keep everybody updated on that. But let's not waste any time. Let's get to this conversation. Um, as I said, Tom accepted my invitation to come back to be number 50 after being number one. And, you know, I've had the, the opportunity to have a... a kind of an ongoing conversation with Tom this past year, kind of starting with that podcast, taking a lot of his online workshops, um, doing uh, uh, some continuing education with him online. Um, you know, so there have been messages exchanged, um, yeah, here and there, just like I said, an ongoing conversation. Um, and yeah it's been really rich and really fulfilling um, his classes have really resonated with me um, receiving his instruction through this online education has really um, been impactful and influenced um so many things that i've I've done and put out there and and how I've kind of navigated my my research and, and exploration. Yeah. It's, um, it, 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 it's the, the, the interactions with him have, have, have initiated a lot of, a lot of change for me this year. So it, it's felt right to, uh, get to have him back to, to chat a little bit more and dig into some things. Um, yeah. And, and the conversation was really special. Um, we We take a lot of twists and turns and and we go to some really fascinating places. So let's not waste any time. Let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Tom Wexler
1: There was something when I started when i st- when I did the transition, even as a you know it was kind of a teenager from. I'm capoeira and martial arts and acrobatics to dance. I was like, kind of looking for, um, I was like, okay, how uh, happy I will be if I will have a middle ground, if I would have a core that this is where I invest all of my time, but this takes care of all of my happiness and my expression. And I think this is a little bit of a kind of, a, this was kind of the young Tom, you know, to think that there is a, a place or a space where there there everything that it's about is there you know and for example now i feel that like for if i if i create too much um i'm, I'm not satisfied or or if i am um, if i teach too much um i feel it's um it's getting fake you know it's getting a uh, for me i need to i need to go and try it uh then So each kind of type of, and then of course that like, you know, I I like dancing more than I like uh, choreographing. You know, I'm an improviser in my heart. So even though I create these dances, these pieces that are very precise and written in almost books, to improvise is kind of like, you know, that's one of my biggest uh, joys, you know? So I need to perform because to feel the improvisation, I cannot be outside. I need to be inside, you know? Um, So I think that, the, the 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 main thing is that I naturally feel that I cannot do only one of the things that I do. I need the other things to balance me and to balance my uh, expression. Uh, then, I did make compromises along the way. For example, um, I'm uh, I'm trying to have coherence. You know, the biggest compromise for me is the coherence. That things will have kind of like you know values and ideas. That are you know are more fundamental and bridging between the things. So, for example, like you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I have a what I say, I have a, a very d- d- deep love to improvisation, and then I need that my teaching and my uh, um, uh, work as a choreographer, or director, will also represent this to a certain level. You know, I don't want these li- different expressions to be too far. I mean, I would. Naturally, like you know, if there, if we would be in a perfect world, I would just like you know do the opposite fucking things all the time, you know. But in order to be able to communicate it and, and to make it accessible and to make it also to to have the possibility to to exchange in it, like you know, in the market with uh, with friends, like you know, with uh, the relationship that me, me and you developing, it needs a little bit of a coherence, you know, because the coherence allows other people to relate to it. So I compromise by making the things coherent, but naturally I have many, uh, many faces that uh, and many, many uh, desires
0: to express myself and they're kind of different from each other. Mm-hmm. What are, I mean, what are some of the ones that are like the undercover interests, you know, like what are <laughs> the ones, like what I, I'm curious, like what are the ones that kind of like are the compromises that are like you, you, you can't keep them with you, but they're not necessarily, they haven't found their place on like the, I don't know how to describe it, like the bookshelf. Or maybe um, uh, Questlove's uh, example of like uh, the curation. <laughs> um
1: I think that a much more, um, I have a uh, much more uh, experimental in my desires than what I kind of communicate in the professional um, in my professional uh, attitude or personality. Like um, I had all these like crazy ideas that some of them did uh, actualize to a certain level, but some of them, they stayed in the notebooks. But, you know, for example, to to do a a, a teaching situation that is totally non-hierarchical. That like, you know, I come and as soon as I hold the space, I totally give it up, you know, which is problematic because people, you know, people attend and, and you know pay money or come with their time to interact with me and then like you know t- to have this thing of like boom I totally step back um, then for example to do a creation that changes every day or every week which again I find my way around it you know especially because uh, Rose is also my partner she's also very experimental in her uh, uh, her, her ways of working and thinking so we sometimes experiment with this, but, you know, you create something, you create a piece or a story, it needs to go somewhere and, you know, and it it can be very kind of a very romantic to say, I don't know. I let go completely for where it go, it's going, hmm. but you need to harass it. Because then again, at the end of the day, it doesn't need to come to a presentation. You need to perform it. You need to sell it, all of these things. Um, but, you know, the idea of like, you know, okay, we, I had this idea that every week we have a different theme in the in the studio. and then the next week we by chance you know uh, kind of by um, you know pulling from a hat a different theme, we start over from a different thing and then you know create on it this week, bring the hat again, pull it out again you know and just going with this you know um, and also having an objective and an end that will be um, unknown. Basically, that like, you know, somebody else that has nothing to do with the creation would come at a certain point, you know, this is it. Now what you have, that's the performance. So kind of like to give up control completely. Mm. Uh, So this this is the type of things that I I I mean, they're they're the underneath one. Then, you know, again, they go through the process of design and to be coherent with the other things when I communicate outside. But the the underneath Tom wants to let go of all control.
0: Yeah. Like, absolutely. Right. Yeah, it's like this, like, like really uh, broad acceptance of uncertainty, right? Where it's like, at the moment, it's like, and and also I assume for educational purposes, it's almost like communicating, like the embracing of uncertainty through like, through moments, through like a number of songs or something. But this is like a little more like timeless welcoming of like improvisation in, in art as if the way we live just in general. It sounds very Bill Murray actually.
1: Bill Murray. Ah, interesting.
0: Yeah. Did you did you see the documentary the the Bill Murray stories? Nope. No. I mean, he he lives this life as as like um like an improv comic, but like it's it, it the, the the story never stops. It's just it, it it always continues. So people have these stories about Bill Murray just arriving in their lives for moments or for full parties oh, wow. and then kind of moving in and out and um yeah i don't know hearing you talk about that was kind of like that idea of being like oh like the whole the the, the art gets larger and longer absolutely
1: and um, I, I think that again it's just in the, the only the only issue is the issue of communication you know because it's um I had this uh, recently. I was quite busy pedagogically with the idea of uh, movement and language, and kind of like that. Actually, movement is satisfying something internal and inherent that is basically parallel to language. You know, um, the it's a small deviation, but I will. Uh, I think it will uh, it will connect the um, there was a, a work by um, um, Noam Chomsky you know, Noam, Noam Chomsky, maybe in an other accent, that um, he resisted, I think it was in the 60s, the work of behaviorist psychology. Behaviorist psychology, they kind of related to language as a baby is born, they want things, they don't know what to do with this wanting, So they start trying stuff. When this thing doesn't work, they don't get what they want. When it works, they get it—you know, food, uh, hugs, um, uh, attention, uh, whatever. Shower, uh, and so it's basically based on them trying to express themselves until it works, and they get satisfied. And then Chomsky said that this whole idea—it doesn't make any sense because if you see the speed and the creativity in which language develops, it doesn't make any sense that it's been developed only through trial and error. There must be something underneath that kind of drives this process and gives it, like, you know, an independent speed, which means it's almost like we came to this world with an inherent potential for language, you know, which will be fulfilled this way or another, you know, more successfully, but it will be more successfully or less successfully, but it will be fulfilled. And I'm saying movement is similar, you know, we come with a certain inherent need and desire to to move in certain ways to express ourselves then we start searching for like okay you know it's like you know so this is why people go to to pick up a dance a, a martial art a sports or whatever it is you know art to move in a certain way that it was kind of like something that was inherent inherent desire inherent abstract desire that they couldn't define they they take this freedom uh and then I think that um, when you start to consider movement in this way, you realize that the kind of the, the um, let's say the the form that it takes matters less than the intention behind it. You know, so um, in that sense, for example, even even what we spoke about with improvisation, you know, that I feel that I will find my way to improvise regardless of the the form that will be there, you know, accessible for me, you know, it's more of an inherent need. Um, And that the limitations, the framing, putting in this box, opening the box, all of this is in order for me to communicate it because this inherent desire is abstract and your inherent desire is abstract and we cannot communicate it unless we make a compromise. So, For example, you talk about somebody like Bill Murray, who already, um, I mean, I need to see the movie, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, somebody that's already gets um, recognition and gets a support, social support to express his inherent desire to express themselves, you know, can take it more wide. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right. Well, because he's he's received the reward
1: yes and and he's he has a tr- like you know the 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 people has have trust in him that like you know when he follows this desire it's rewarding also for the people around him
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i i believe that this is kind of the 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 path of an of, of an artist to continue staying loyal to my inherent desire to move in certain way and express myself and also to learn how to communicate it so i will get trust in doing it from the people around me because I cannot do it alone.
0: Yeah. It makes me think about this topic that I know you're going to be teaching on and you've posted about this kind of like this this talk of meditation in play, right? Because when you talk about being able to communicate it and, and when we say communicate, it means that we're speaking in a way that other people can comprehend and speaking in in the broadest terms we get more and more people to understand what we're saying and and i feel like the way that we can potentially communicate to large masses is not necessarily speaking to like the ego or the self one but finding that way to communicate to like that inner self like the the intelligent self we're born with right Mm
1: -hmm. and when
0: you when i when i when you mention meditation in play i was like i clearly see the difference between the two but the 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 similarity is that we're we're looking for opportunities to kind of get out of our own way right we're looking to like facilitate that like quieting of like this loud chattering ego and let the intelligent self be there in a really active way and the and the ego gets to be kind of like a quiet observer but i think to myself like oh if we're if we can be in that place where the the intelligent self is 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 doing a lot of the communicating, um, is that a way that we can facilitate that that broader communication? I don't know if I said this clearly, but I, that's that's kind of what I'm piecing together.
1: I I, I mean it's very it's very interesting your um, your interpretation of it. Like, um, first of all, the idea of uh, I really like you say the intelligent self. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's almost like where it takes me is that the intelligent self is the um, is that is the, the, the it's like the most deconstruction deconstructed version of the self that is still can still experience that is not just like you know a, a piece of a, a frozen uh, you know frozen person you know so like somebody that can experience and live but without. You know, the unnecessary would be the intelligent self. I never called it like this, but it's it's, it's a nice uh, it's a nice way to phrase it. Um, look, it's it's. I need to think about it. To be honest, I don't know. Like you actually, before me, kind of even um, you know, I'm, I have my own research about it and my teaching about it, but actually, I never connected it to ability to communicate uh, broadly these two ideas. I mean, I need to, a little bit to think about it in order to, to, to say what's the connection there. Um, maybe you can tell me more. What, what, how do you feel that play and meditation connect to communicating to kind of groups or masses?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that, like I said, there's like this, like an inherent, like evolutionary intelligence we're born with. It's the way that like, you know, animals all speak different languages, but like their nervous systems are like, communicating Mm. right and you know there's always stories about people who speak two different languages but like through their body language and through like their expressions on their faces like they can start to like have a a, some other kind of dialogue and yeah we've all gone through the same evolutionary process for the most part over millions of years so there's like that thing but i think like i said it's like we have a tendency to get in our own way, right? Because we have this ego that we think is like way smarter than that thing. But like mm. that can be the observer and kind of be on the outside, like that that way of communicating where like the the innate intelligence is is like the heavy communicator. There's like, um, I don't know, there's almost some sort of universal language. It's the same way that like, you know, you and I could ha- be here and have like a some sort of interaction, which is communication with like a dog even just by kind of like, the eyes and the face, you know, the whole thing.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. In that sense, true. Like the the space that is being created both in meditation and play is, uh, is two two spaces of um, absolutely a universal language, you know, because everybody can relate to it. Everybody can relate to play. Everybody can relate to meditation. Um, I mean, one thing that now in, in the research that I'm proposing is, um, I think it's kind of interesting on in that sense. And it can even, it can be a challenging articulation for you mm-hmm. is to, to understand that meditation and play have differences, you know, they overlap, I believe. And I think that like, you know, it's not, it's not two buckets of knowledge. It's like, a, it's a liquid, you know, there is in the middle places that it's the same, but they also get very different. And this is something that, for example, I get, uh, especially from, a, especially from hippies. <laughs> I'm also a hippie, but hippies, hippies get angry with me, but I say that there is a difference between meditation and planning. Like, the difference is dualistic. It's only in your mind. And then my only response is like, you're dualistic because you're differentiating between what's in my mind and what's outside. <laughs> so like, Let's not get worse. Here. <laughs> uh, but then to connect it to your point about like the universal language. So, you know, there is this... Um, there is this term in, um, I, I think it's, you know, it's an Indian term. I learned it through through some of my yoga teachers uh, in uh, Patanjali, they they phrase it. Uh, I think also in the Bhagavad Gita, Elila, the divine play, you know, which is like kind of the, the play of the universe, you know, which is connected, depends on the context. It can be connected to the Indian idea of the dance of uh, creation and destruction of Shiva and like, you know, a bunch of, but basically a divine play. Um, and I think this is a wonderful idea because it's like kind of you know you can even connect it to post-modernism in philosophy everything is deconstructed but you know we pick it up we make balls or or rules or or challenges out of it so you we, we can play with them but then you know there's the other side that is for example um experiencing life also have moment of Death of a loved person, um, severe injury, uh, a big loss, you know. And I, if you know uh, one of my loved ones, you know, will die, I don't want anybody to tell me life is just a divine play. You know, it's like fuck you. You know, mm. where's the empathy? Where's the compassion? Also, where's the understanding that I am not now proactive to play? I The experience goes to somewhere else in my whole construction as a human being. And I think, I sincerely think that this is a moment that the best thing that I can do is to meditate on it, to fully experience the moment. You know, somebody is dead. I don't want to rationalize it. I don't want to get over it. I don't want to forget about it. I want to fully experience it. And that's meditation, you know. Now... uh, again switch I don't know years forward like you know uh, me and you are uh, doing okay let's say let's um, let's uh, do some play fight you know or let's play some ball some game with the tennis you know and like you you throw a tennis ball at my head and it hits me you know and like I wouldn't meditate on it and you know (laughs) fully live the moment I would like you know (laughs) try to jump out catch it and throw it back at you you know Mm -hmm. so I think that um the ability to kind of, you know, put these two universal languages, as you defined it, you know, to create a space for, for, you know, it's a space for living. But you know, I always feel a little bit, uh, a little bit clumsy and lame for talking about living because mm-hmm. it's you no know, everything. But a space for practice, you know. And then, if all of my practice falls into meditation or play, you know. I'm in a, I'm, I feel I'm in a good place. Okay. Maybe, or to use your, I, I feel I'm, I'm practicing uh, to give space to my intelligent self. Once I'm not meditating and not playing,
0: what am I doing?
1: It's good to stop and ask. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting kind of thing to play with. Cause as you said, there's so much of this overlap. And I, when I was thinking about it, there's like, and as you were speaking, I realized with meditation, I realized, a lot of us talk about meditation but maybe it's more in the realm of like concentration contemplation whatever it is but it's a it's like a realm of observation and maybe it's this like as, as you were talking about grieving specifically it's kind of this like it's very internal right it's an internal observation and maybe it's some degree external but play is there is no observation it's, it's more like reaction right without the without the Without the noise of of judgment, if 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 we're playing it at, at very high levels, and I don't mean high levels like we're playing in the U.S. Open, but I mean the height of where judgment vanishes.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I totally agree with what you say, and if you think about it, you know, even to to highlight it or to develop it more. So, you know, play is kind of like this. This, you know, how much internal work you need to do in order to be in the space that you react empty you know that that the thing flows through you your movements are natural the thoughts like it's 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 just a play but how much internal work you need to do to get there you know again maybe you can do it as a baby or as a kid but you know then later on there is a lot of work to be done and opposite meditation how much external work i need to do so when i sit to meditate i'm not getting distracted i'm not going to pick up the phone i'm not going because every noise or or even every feeling, you know, and both of these activities play eventually teaches you that all of this kind of external mastery is internal. Mm -hmm. And meditation teaches you that all of this internal attention is actually dealing with your external, you know, and this is, you know, I think this is this kind of beautiful overlap that they create. Uh, But in order not to be uh, hypocritical, this beautiful overlap, let's say it happens only rarely. So we have to say, okay, we start from two kind of separated terms, and we slowly and gradually allow them to overlap.
0: yeah, it, it's kind of leading me into this next thing because you and I had like a little exchange back and forth over the Instagram a little bit ago. but it kind of leads to, it it's it's very similar. I feel like, and maybe you find this, especially somebody who's out there teaching quite a bit and having conversations with people and getting kind of insights on like where they're coming at and their practices. But it's like, It always feels like people are very quick to try to like choose a team, right? Like even when I was talking to somebody about like nervous systems, and someone you know, she'll say like, "Oh, people always say I need I need to be I need to be parasympathetic. I need to be like a parasympathetic person." And she's like, "Well, you know, don't forget there's an inhale for every exhale. Like they go together. They're like they're they're, (laughs) they're this, this beautiful balance." So as you say, like there are people who you know they might be like, "Oh, like I need to." I'm the person who meditates or I'm the person who plays. Right. And it's like, you know, all these things happen simultaneously. They like, they, they go together really beautifully. And it kind of leads me into what we were talking about before about like this, um this, this, this thing, this relationship between like technique and spirit or technique and, um mm. and, uh, uh, and experience, you know, and yeah. because I think people maybe play that same game a little bit with, with, with these qualities as well, and as I was saying in our conversation, that it's like to me, it's it's two sides of the same coin.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the first of all, there is the the natural and um, the natural complaint over the nature of our um, era, you know, that like. Uh, it's like everything needs to be hashtagged, everything needs a logo for its application you know i meet people nowadays they come to study with me and you know after two and a half workshops they already have like you know a description of what they do you know their their philosophy towards a movement and the and everything of course is through a website you know everything is being framed and then what is being framed is to put yourself in a team um me my whole you know and now uh, as I said, like, you know, as an artist, my biggest compromise is to find coherence between the things I do. You know, I, I, I'm trying to escape being put you know, I'm running for my life with somebody <laughs> in the box, you know, that um, again, of course, and I'm not trying to, to, to say that also, cause also this can become this thing of like, you know, ah, here we are, the group of the clever ones that's running away from definitions. I'm just saying that we're living in problematic times, that it's problematic to think about these things. And that's the point. We're not supposed, like at least we're we're working with with movement, with embodiment. The goal is not that we will find the right definition. The goal is that we will experience it, experience it as much as possible, experience it repeatedly. You know, without the necessity of naming it. You know, going and playing, you know, meditating, observing. Again this is becoming more and more difficult when we have less control over the situation. And it's not kind of a, it's not kind of a stoic type of thing that like, you know, with, with willpower or it's the right thing to do is that because life throws this stuff at you again, whether it's quick uh, tennis balls in the practice or whatever, like, you know, hard ground when you want to do acrobatics or the death of a loved one, the loss of, of something, the failure, you know? Um, and this is the moments that like, you know, you, 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 you want to be present and it's difficult, you know? Uh, so I think that like, you know, kind of the, um, this pull towards, you know, let's understand it and let's choose what's the right strategy, what's the right way to do it um, and how we call it and make it sounds accessible and reasonable, It's very much kind of the the. uh, It's a little bit the sickness of our time, you know. It's not even let's make it sounds sound understandable. It's make it, let's make a a visual uh, a visual representation of it even, Mm -hmm. the the life of uh, social media and the internet, and so I think that there is here something that is like you know it's not the fault of any individual. It's you know know, it's that now that's the reality we live in. But going back to what we said about the technique, I also believe that there are human things that like, you know, go further than the times we live in or, you know, like there is a combination between a, a nature and nurture. And if the nurturing is cell phones and, and social media and office and, and capitalism, you know, we also have nature, you know, which is not the same for everybody you know, but it's the desire to uh, express certain things. And then these two things, you know, the nature and nurture understanding that again, you know, they overlap, they're not two opposing terms, they overlap, but we need to respect both of them. This is something that kind of can create a, I think a healthy relationship with uh, practice. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is a little bit, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I come in contact both with people that I feel that have more, more capacity or more life circumstances. I don't know. You know, you never know, and uh, um, to kind of to acknowledge it and to bring it to bring it forward in what they do. Uh, and some people have less, and it's fine. Uh, but um, but I I can totally resonate with the problematic of trying to relate what we're speaking about in terms of uh, teams, you know, I'm the meditator, I'm the player, you know, there are kind of wider qualities than like, you know, just like, you know, dress wear it like a, like a shirt.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I, sometimes I think of it as like, you know, what, what, what we see in like counterculture sports, you know, like there's always like kind of a, there's like, there's always two sides and some people like choose it. So in like, in like rock climbing, there's like top roping and there's bouldering, and in jujitsu, there's gi and no gi, and in there's surfing, there's like longboarding and shortboarding, and I think a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I I longboard or I only boulder, but like, you see the, these really magical people who like, they see that they both, they both exist to kind of go together, maybe.
1: We define, you know, we define things through positions. You know, mm-hmm. that's the, the, the function of our uh, human perception. We define things in relation. Mm-hmm. But again, supposedly, this whole idea of universal language is kind of a space where you don't have relation or a position. You have just the thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that to visit this space as often as possible, this is one of my goals for myself, you know, as, an, uh, as, a, as a practitioner and as a performer, but it's also my goal to create this space for the people I interact with as students or as audience in my uh, performances. So they see these things and they forget about their opposition. They forget about the, the relation. They have kind of this experience, you know, that is rich without being compared to anything. Again, I say it now, but I come sometimes to perform and the only thing that it's in my head is like, you know, oh, how much less this gig is than what I did uh, one month ago when my uh, uh, ankle was not injured, you know? When, like, and I cannot escape it. I'm not some kind of like, you know, I didn't figure it out, mm-hmm. you know? But I think that already opening up to this, like my goal is to experience. My goal is not to define. Mm-hmm. These already, you know, kind of... Uh, bring me, I, I feel bring me t- towards a place that is more interesting and curious.
0: Well, first I'll say, I think people are disappointed to hear that you can't levitate yet. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, it makes me think of, um, to kind of take a step away from just play, but the idea of playfulness, which I think are, they go together, but I think it's different things. Because I think when we talk about like, things that are defined in, in choosing teams. Um, I think that that's often closely related, at least the way that I see it to like control or the illusion of control, the attempt to control, which is also kind of like connected to that place of like winning, right? Like, you know, if we're in control, we're winning something, we're, we're, we're winning this environment or we're, we're winning this, whatever this game is. But approaching it in that playful way um, is kind of giving up that that sense of like the the control. It's almost just like playful is embracing uncertainty, right? I know that you listen to the podcast I did with Paul, and he talked about that in in the frame of jujitsu. Mm. Uh,
1: yeah, it, it's really interesting that you bring the playfulness. I think that if a, you know if a play would be an experience, playfulness would be a mindset. Mm. And for example, like. Uh, from my experience, and I think this, it has also overlap with Paul, is that playfulness is also skill dependent. And here, this is where things get paradoxical. Because, you know, many times, um, people like, you know, that experience my way of working, you know, they hear all of these theories about letting go of, They're like, dude, what, what are you talking about? You drill, like, you know, like a fucking samurai. You know, it's like uh, I've witnessed you doing repetitions, uh, like you know. um, But what I feel is that I'm never doing it. I'm I'm not a tough person. I'm not like going in my head, like you know. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It's good for you. You will achieve the impossible. My my head is full of jokes. You know, I'm like going with this stuff and I'm like, you know, (laughs) you know, it didn't turn out the way you thought it would. Okay, let's try it again. A little bit from this angle, from this angle, I feel something here, you know, but this playful approach, imagine to demand it from, you know, a beginner. You know, now I kind of describe kind of my internal dialogue when I work with like, you know, for example, work on the floor, inventing some like, you know, some new things on the floor. Then... If I would like, you know, bring my father or somebody that has, like, you know, that doesn't squat that often and doesn't roll on hard floor that often, I mean, just be playful about it. Like, you know, it will be irresponsible a little bit because there is a certain skill that is kind of like, you know, I believe it needs to be like, you know, it gives you the possibilities to be playful with playful towards the skill, not towards the activity. The activity is the activity, you're playful towards the skill. You know, you try from here, you try from there, but you need to kind of have a sense of of proactiveness towards the activity, and that's the skill. Mm-hmm. You you understand a little bit, like kind of my idea. So, if play is kind of the space, playful is my approach towards my own skills, mm-hmm. and also, by the way, my approach towards my skill development.
0: Mm-hmm. No, um, yeah, it, it it makes me so. I I keep. I find myself and I realize like this is just like my language that I have to like re-communicate to people. And I feel like I when I when I listen to you speak, one of my favorite things is that like you'll say kind of the same thing, but you'll say it in like 30 different ways to try to find like where it, it resonates with people. uh uh-huh. And I found myself a lot saying, like, take risks, take risks. But some people here take risks and they say, they think that I'm saying be dangerous. Like, do, mm. you know, do something that's dangerous. And I'm, and then I had to start rephrasing it and say, listen, when I say take risks, I'm saying, don't get addicted to competence, like be willing to surprise yourself, you know? And sometimes when I hear you and that's relative to everybody, you know, that could just mean like, are a little bit.
1: Exactly. But the relativity is that's, that's where the skill comes in mm. because like, you know, that I, I did my first backflip when I was seven years old you know, backflip is not a risk for me, you know, so I can be very playful towards the idea of backflip. And mm-hmm. um, then again, like, you know, when I picked up many martial arts. Every time of entering a new type of martial arts, I'm, I cannot start by being playful. Like, you know, imagine like, uh, you know, he was like, here, like, you know, I grab my neck, you know, huh? let's see what happened. Can you try it from this angle? Like, you know, the, there's no, you know, there, there's no ground to be playful on top of you know, and the ground is the skill. That's the concrete thing that, so for example, when you tell people take, if you will tell me in class, take risk, you know, it's almost like I can, I can fake it. Mm -hmm. And if you tell people take honest risk, sometimes also here, it can be that the relativity can be insane, you know, physical, emotional, spiritual, you know, psychological, all of this, and people stand in different places. Not everybody are in a place that they're you know, that they can or they're willing to take risk. And I think that this is something that I always try to respect, for example. And this is why I switch up, you know, because if I tell somebody to take risk and then all of a sudden take it to a psychological run but I see that they're in a bad place, I'm like, "Uh, you know, okay, shift the weight more towards the toes. You know, Mm -hmm. so I'm like, okay, take your risk by leaning forward, you Mm -hmm. know, but I'm taking out the risk out of the equation.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Again, which loops us back to the skill. Like you know, that gives us the ground that we can take all of this relativity and actualize
0: it. So then you you do you believe then that skill is kind of like this like central kind of pillar that that we kind of like move around?
1: It's 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 um you know, again, it's it's difficult for me to to kind of you know, to extract it in some to something that we move around. And um, like I told you before, because I have a little bit of this kind of resistance towards like a single central thing. But I would say that it's one of the central things um, that moves us in our lives, you know, our skills. And it's the thing that in my opinion, this is why it's worth investment. And it's the life is full of uncontrolled circumstances all the time skill is the opportunity for us to kind of uh, direct, not to control the thing, but to direct it towards a place that we can interact with it. And we're not completely dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, like, you know, also my uh, appreciation of skills and, um, it's like, it's something that um, is, a con- is in constant uh, dialogue. Um, I, um, uh, my friend, uh, that uh, you will uh, interview in one of the future episodes, which is a, is a wonderful uh, mover, and I think also a very interesting thinker and pedagogue in the context of movement. He will, I, I cannot sp- speak on his behalf, but one of my closest friends and like, you know, we, we have a lot of, of dialogues about these things. And I don't think that he uh, considers uh, a skill as a human core you know he 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 would say that it has something that is going to he would say you know like uh, but sometimes when we speak he's he's proposing me or asking me whether there's not something you know is less you know is less structure is less shape than skill you know so I, i i think that to extract to skill at least as people who work with movement it gives us kind of a good core on what to communicate on, mm-hmm. within all of these unknown things, within creating space for meditation, space for play. It gives us something to relate to, okay? Let's take the skill, let's be playful towards it, you know, or not, or let's be serious about it, or let's develop it, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of the reference that allows us to to, to 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 a little bit direct our progress and our trajectory.
0: When you think of skill, do you kind of distill skill or define skill as, as as like defined movements or patterns? Or can skill be also just like qualities or or things that might not actually be defined that are kind of explored through constraints or something?
1: Well, skill at its best is more of qualities than patterns.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I would say that skill is more than anything is a perspective that is a perspective that is a consequence of focused work and not as a consequence of uh, let's say um, a casual a ca- a casual happenings you know so for example mu- what's the difference between somebody that uh, you know a musician you know and, and me that I'm, I'm not a musician but I can play on a bunch of instruments is that a musician you know their way of thinking, about situations changes a little bit, you know, like their interaction with ideas like rhythm, melody, flow, you know, and then even in moments that they don't play, you know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm just let, letting my imagination run, but somebody will listen to our conversation We said like, you know, it sounds like, a, I don't know, like, you know, like, a, like jazz or like, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. So a musician changes their perspective through playing and listening to music. Me as a, you know, again, you know, or what happens usually when you learn martial arts, all of a sudden the whole concept of fear or physical distance changes, you know. Now you can go and explain it, you know, going back to this kind of abstract thing, like, you know, you take martial arts, but there's something very different about like, you know, when I'm trained after training martial arts, and I remember that I started feeling that when I stand in the street, my weight drops, you know, more when I feel a little bit of an unexpected situation, my reaction is more clean, is more tranquil. You know, this, this is the skill that is a, a consequence of martial art. Again, as a dancer, like, you know, um, that I have control over the way I take things out of the fridge,
0: mm,
1: Right. you know, like I, I can do it, like, you know, sometimes I, I I do it in a certain, you know, in a certain softness just for the hell of it,
0: mm.
1: you know, so the skill for me is always much more this. It's like the result of a focused, um, of a focused um, work, a focused, uh, a focused repetition, a focused practice, um, rather than like you know patterns. But patterns are are uh, secondary.
0: Yeah. Well, I only want. I wanted to make sure I clarify just because I, I was curious what you thought, but also like sometimes. It can be someone can hear skill and think technique, and I didn't mm-hmm. know because I, I thought you you meant what you ended up saying, um, yeah. which is really helpful to clarify because sometimes again it's like, you know, there's there's that deep hole of like doing some moves instead of doing movement. Yeah.
1: Well, the technique the technique is very simple. The technique is the chosen uh, is the chosen strategy to go from A to B. Mm-hmm. You know that's the technique.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The skill is kind of like you know it's kind of the holistic, um, holistic transformation that happened through what I said before.
0: Yeah. Tell me about staying with skill, and as somebody who's I know you you you're exploring other arts, um, sculpting and painting and things, and just in our interactions because I've been doing the the um, online practice with you. Mm -hmm. and you pointed something out in in watching some of my improvisation and and asked how it might have related to, like, my my stand-up, and now hearing you reflect on skill a little bit, it makes me wonder, like, do you you notice it, or do you notice it also in other people, where there's, like, potentially this, like, uh, transfer of skills between, like, different arts or different environments where it's, like, skills that you acquire, for instance, in martial arts, all of a sudden you see it kind of arising in in these other places. And to give people a little bit of background, you mentioned watching some of my improvisations, asking like whether there was some sort of connection between the rhythm and flow and what my stand-up comedy might have been like.
1: Mm. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what is the question.
0: I'm curious if it's something... Basically,
1: I agree to everything you said. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I, oh, OK, because I, I was curious if it was something that you've reflected on and kind of like in some of the other arts as you kind of go there, where you start seeing some of these, these skills and they're, they're transferable and you see these qualities arising in some of the other pieces and I guess vice versa as well.
1: Yeah, I think that like, you know, um, usually when you enter kind of an art form or a, a discipline, it can be very uh, overwhelming the different priorities that are there you know and i think this is kind of what, when you adapt yourself to priorities that you didn't even think about that they exist before this is kind of how skill is being created so for example like you know when i uh, picked up sculpting a little over a year ago i was um i was shocked by the amount of attention that is being given to volumes volumes of material and it totally changed how i uh, relate to the world for now, especially with my hands, but like, you know, now I go to dance to do partnering and like, I have sensitivity to volumes, you know, what, what takes more space, what takes less space, you know, what takes circular space, what takes, you know, sharp space. And it's, it's not something that I, I, you know, I didn't do any kind of, a, I didn't write it down or articulate it, but it's all of a sudden, it's like this weird feeling that like, you know, volumes have meaning and you can extract information from them and I never had it before. Um, Painting for me is all about composition. You know, it's all about composition. It's like, you know, seeing something and understanding that, you know, everything you place has kind of relationship with the other things that you place, you know, or everything you see has relationship with other things that you see. Um, And then here's the catch. It's not that volumes and composition don't exist in other places. They're just not so high on the priorities. You know what I'm saying? So, and again, you know, we can take also movement example. Take something like uh, jiu-jitsu. Uh, hip mobility and, um, and you know, and the ability to uh, to kind of to connect to the ground, you know, to create bases of weight on the ground. It's like, it's it's everything in jiu-jitsu. If you can like, you know, shift the weight quickly to shoulder to shoulder, from feet to hip, and you can move your hips around, you know, the, you can do all techniques. The same idea, take you to wrestling, much less important. You know, all of a sudden you start dealing with explosive power, you start to deal with instincts. You know, so this ability to say, like, okay, you come to new things, it's like you adapt to a new set of circumstances, to so a new set of priorities. Um I think it's something that allows you to speak uh, 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 speak more universally or to to feel principles more universally. There is no, nowadays, nowadays, I don't believe that, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a common thing and it's cliche, but like, you know, uh, art, for example, that is where I spend uh, most of my time. I only appreciate uh, um, artists that are working in a Renaissance, you know, that are like, you know, are understanding and considering their place from multiple, multiple crafts, multiple disciplines. Um, because again, the extraction becomes more universal. I think same thing is happening now with uh, with movement, like you know, um, not with sports because sports has their own rule, but with movement in general, people that influences people that have the capacity to understand multiple priorities, and to understand multiple priorities, you have to you know you have to keep on putting yourself in the position of the beginner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. For example, you know, what I saw, if back to your question, what I saw in your improv is that because we've been working together for a while on like, you know, improvisations. And then all of a sudden, because you put yourself as a beginner at the beginning, because it was like, okay, you know, I don't know how to dance and I'm like, I'm taking it slowly. But then in this improvisation, of course, it's a result of a lot of work we did together. All of a sudden, I didn't see kind of the beginner. I saw the priorities that you, I speculate, that you had when you were a stand up comedy performer kind of revealing themselves in a totally different discipline, Mm
0: -hmm. you
1: know? So this thing, this process of um, adapting to new priorities, but then little by little, when you know them really, really well, you bring other priorities into it. That's the kind of this Renaissance thing, you know, the cliche, uh, a quote of uh, Picasso, like, you know, when you learn the rules, uh, uh, like, I don't know, like, uh, craftsman or professional then you can break them like an artist you know Mm -hmm. so um yeah so I think this multiple multiple approaches this is kind of uh gives a little bit of light
0: on it when you speak of multiple approaches it also makes me think of a little a lot of like the things that you've reflected on in, in some of your online workshops where we start you start kind of questioning like sensory experience a little bit not even questioning it I would say that there's like speculation on like where we are with our senses and dominant senses. You even reference the book um, um, The Eyes of the Skin, which I ended up reading. And um, so when we talk about kind of like exploring a lot of different spaces, whether it's artistically or in sport or something, it's not just that the physical experience and all these like things that we can look at and, and talk about, whether even if it's skills of like distance or, or, or timing, then there's like, we get even more nuanced, right? When we start talking about different sensory experiences where something is more auditory than visual and how that starts to to change our, our, our relationship to, to movement and our ability to communicate, right? Absolutely.
1: I mean, look again, the the era problem, everything is like, you know, hyper uh, visual now, mm-hmm. but maybe you can tell me what you think about um, the idea of, as a mover, I relate to consciousness as my awareness traveling through my body. 95% of the people that I come and interact with, when they move, they don't feel their body. Mm-hmm. You know, did, did you experience it as a teacher? Like you <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I realize that it's, it's almost as if, um, everything is, they want, and it's, it's totally subconscious, but it's, a, it's almost like everything is, is, is desired to be at a distance. And I, and I'm realizing more and more it's because that potentially it's this hyper visual sense that is this like distant sense, right? It's not, That's- it's not, it's not an intimate sense. When I think of like the most intimate things like jujitsu, my eyes mean very little, Intimate, like these intimate things that we do, the eyes play almost a very, very small role. Absolutely.
1: And again, you know, even, even in, you know, for example, sculpting and painting that are supposedly visual arts, you know, to a certain level, it's like, this is what the Palasma you know, writes about that the creation of something visual can be very embodied, but it also can be very disembodied. With it's, and it's crazy how much this idea has nothing to do with results. You can see people doing crazy things and you know and then you interact with them on an intimate situation which means you share the space and they just don't feel their body. You know, they're doing these crazy footwork things, you know, and they have no sense of the floor and the bottoms of their feet. They're doing martial arts, they have no sensitivity to pain, not their own pain, not the pain of the opponent, of the opponent. They're dancing you know, they have no, uh, uh, no, you know, no sense of joy in the body. You know, it, it's insane. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the lack of ability to feel the body when we move. Um, so I think that a lot of what I'm trying to push for is understanding that the senses must work holistically. They cannot work separately, and we must look for it because, again, we're not living now in a culture or an era that demands you to use. All of uh, uh, the multiplicity of the senses together, you know, kind of there's no uh, um, six senses. You know, and by the way, for listeners, like there's a, also proprioception now is considered a sense. Just not that it matters. Like you know, it's a, there's many divisions, but like to use all 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 senses as a one sense, mm-hmm. you know, we're not being asked for it, and it it's a pity because it degrades you know the ability to experience
0: to the fullest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then I think that that's that thing that people can't always attach words to when they see a performer or something that they're drawn to, that sometimes it's that, it's that, it's that quality. It's not, oftentimes I think people think it's like, as you said, maybe sometimes like the fancy footwork or like the, this or the, that, but it's um, if they watch long enough and maybe reflect on it sometimes, at least for me, it's like, it's no, it's, it's those other qualities. It's, it's as you were saying, kind of like the embodiment, that's really the magical thing that, that is kind of magnetic. Absolutely. Uh, there
1: is, um, you know, I'm uh, for example, one of, uh, um, I, I like um, Jackson Pollock, famous. Uh, and then uh, there's a big discussion in art, if he ruined art, because like now every, you know, everybody that goes into art school wants to be Jackson Pollock and just to throw the paint all over. People forget that what he presented was not only the painting, it was also the making of it. You know, so it's not about the aesthetics. It's about the happening of making this thing, you know, with his approach towards it, with his, like, you know, with the sound, with the steps, uh, um, with um, with everything that was, um, you know, basically connected to it. Um, so I think that, like you know, to understand this difference between like over focusing on a single sense will always give kind of a very very limited picture. Uh, but the attempt to make all senses work together will always lead to kind of feeling like okay, there's more to learn, there's more to experience, there's more to communicate, which I think it's it's uh, you know again and basically that's the definition of inspiration. Mm-hmm. you know what can it become but when you focus on a single thing it's it falls into like you know it's good it's not good it's how i imagine it's not a, it's not how i imagine it mm-hmm. but and going back to the improvisation like you know kind of like all of a sudden seeing you i started to hear something when i saw it so i was like boom you know i'm from from seeing you moving through a screen i hear something that is not in the video okay we're onto something here you know, the multi-sensory experience start to expand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How far it can go, you know, again, inspiration. That's like you know,
0: mm-hmm. the opening
1: question that multisensory experience can bring us.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that when that you challenge it in in interesting ways, like in your online workshops. We could you you know, again, like the book, the, the the book that you recommended that I read, it was it was just to give people background. It's the idea that like we used to be we used to have a highly like the auditory sense was like number 1 and visual was number 3 and our touch was number 2 and in in recent history very recent that visual moved to number 1 and touch stayed number 2 but auditory moved down to number 3 and you know not really saying exactly what that means but that it's like inevitably there will be consequences to that because mm-hmm. if we evolved a certain way you know, what does that mean? But in your workshops, you you like to you like to play and, and there's no answers. It's just more of like the, let's just see what happens if we mm. play in with these senses in ways that maybe we wouldn't invest as much time in usually. Um, like you had us putting our hands in a bowl of water and just like feeling how that kind of like the touch of the water moves through you, whatever that is for everybody. Um, but you do that a lot with a lot of these like sensory things. Um, and and it reminds me of moments of like being a child where you would kind of invest in these ways. You know, like I remember closing my eyes and twirling around with my eyes closed. Um, and there's no one's teaching you that. Nobody's telling you to do that. But it's like, that's almost like a, a, a funky, like sensory calibration game that you're playing with yourself.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's also, it's interesting, like, you know, it, 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 uh, you bringing back, like, for example, the putting the hands inside water. So, for example, what, how did it change your movement? You know, how did it inspire you? That would be kind of my following question.
0: For me, I really, and I think I actually was one of the few people who chimed in to talk about this during the class, but I said that I was kind of infatuated with like, as my body moved, that means it created these like little waves in the water. So that means at certain points, parts of my hand came out of the water and then the wave would come back up and cover my hand. So it'd be like being in the ocean and then the wave would come down and I'd feel the cool air like hit my wet body and I'd be cold for a moment. And then I'd kind of like bob back under as the wave came back in and it would warm me back up. And that's what I started to play with was that feeling of like pulling out and like the, the, the coolness of like the wet hand and then wanting to like get warm again.
1: Yeah. 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 This, this is fascinating, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for me, for example, in this exercise, I, 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 I started practicing it a lot when I was uh, studying buto uh, with Yoshito Ono. But the first time that I did it in his uh, in his uh, studio in Tokyo, I remember that it connected me that as a kid, when I was entering the water, I had this like thought of like, you know, what, how, how much I can stay here it's so wonderful. You know, you put your head the water, and I remember that like I had this always this this thought that if I put it just up to the forehead, my forehead is outside of the water, it's fun. But if I go all the way down, is a new world. How much can I stay there? But very quickly you start to feel drowning. So it's almost like you start to feel you know and it's like a you know it can sound extreme, but you start to feel the flirt with death. You know, by staying underwater long enough, and and it's 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 beautiful, you know. It's like it's so interesting as a kid to kind of under you know. I, it's like my first experience with death. If I stay here and I don't come up long enough, I will die, you know. Which that's basically you know. It's like it can be like hello, welcome. Now you start living, you <laughs> yeah. know. So mm-hmm. so and then and here is like you know and then start. How do I you know how do i experience it again you know you start you know you start so it's like of course at the beginning you just try to stick around long enough but then you realize that it's not the same it doesn't have the same primal like you know primal multi-sensory experience it's become about the technique of like okay you know i just listen and i close my nose and i close my eyes and i you know i'm shutting down the senses i'm limiting
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: so I, I i want to experience it more i want and, um, and I think that if I manage, like, you know, for example, in the workshop to open this possibility for somebody to have an experience that was as strong as mine, I genuinely believe, genuinely believe that they can do a genius work of art based on their experience of this, not of my drowning, but something, you know, and met something metaphorically as interesting as, as was drowning for me as a kid. Um, and also, again, when I'm presenting a piece, if somebody can, you know, can experience, you know, this type of primal experience, you know, that usually is in a in a piece in a performative sense is, about, is more about their life than what they do. You know, in mm-hmm. a workshop is more about them creating. And, and performance is a little bit different, but they, but you you get kind of uh,
0: yeah. I, I, again, it's like it's 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 everybody has these senses, and again, it's like we 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 often play to this visual sense but when you ask people to explore their other senses there's a potential to make discoveries that people other people could might potentially observe and relate to or not does i guess it doesn't really matter but that people might observe and it's so unique because and beautiful because it may be a reflection on a sense that they don't spend as much time investing in on their own as much anymore
1: and, 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 and experiencing life a little bit less because we record reality we through our senses, you know? Mm-hmm. in That sense, like whatever is being called the mind, you know, is the integration of the sensual information that we get throughout our lives. You know, so if somebody is not using the multiplicity of their senses, they're experiencing life less, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so being inspired to, to, to experience more, no, and again, for me, that what what makes me go is like is this these things, you know, to practice, to to teach, and to create art. You know, it makes me, it inspires me to experience more and more with my senses. You know, to be more attentive to where they are closed and when I want to open them up. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, that like you know, that the, it's it's very subjective. Uh, pe- people can you know find it in in many forms i think
0: right and it's not something it's like oh when it happens we can only we can rarely talk about it right <laughs> it's like we have to almost speak we have to speak about it poetically and it's not necessarily rewarded it's just being like it's just there's just a little there's just more
1: well i have a point about this cuz recently i started to push the idea you know cuz people like come to me and they ask me tom you 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 know, what? similar to what you said, like, you know, with all of your interests of practice and interests of teaching, like, you know, but a beginner like A, B or C, where should they start, you know? And my response since forever was like, it depends on the beginner. I cannot say when, you know, everybody should start where they start. There is no uh, general starting point in anything. Mm -hmm. But now I started to think that if there is something that could be the first step, in a fulfilling practice for everybody is to be to allow themselves to think, speak, and sense more metaphors.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, if there's one thing that I think is like you know is 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 a pity in basically in, in education and like you know now it's a trend to say in the West, you know. Uh, I've seen that also in the East is the same is not enough metaphorical thinking, not enough metaphorical moving, not enough metaphorical speaking. And I don't think that it has to be poetic. You know, poetics is a possibility of using metaphors, Mm -hmm. but there's many other, other ways. Like, you know, here, we went quite deep The metaphor of deep (laughs) talking about putting your hands in the water and moving. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: No, um, my favorite example, but it's like, you know, it's, a, it's redundant, but still like, you know, Usain Bolt uh, and his, uh, you know, his techniques of running that he was like, you know, being like this animal or doing kind of like something like an archer or like, you know, like to live metaphors, you know, allows you to make these Renaissance connections, changing your priorities, more multisensory experiences. Mm-hmm. And people don't give it space because they think it's something that is luxurious rather than like, you know, a, a fundamental.
0: Right. I mean, it's like, well, A, I mean, humans, I'm going to say addicted. Maybe someone would challenge me on it, but humans are addicted to stories. Uh-huh. Story Story is like how we get to where we're at, kind of, is the ability to tell stories, share stories, and create stories. And... Um, I think now we almost celebrate the ability to like speak technically about things and we're, we're limited in our ability to speak about things, right. Technically, you know, when we, you know, the best we can do is almost speak technically in a complicated way, but it's about complex things. Right. Right. And, and, when we speak about complexity, it's almost like the best way we can do it is kind of say what it's like instead of what it is. Uh huh. Right, and that's that. Like using using metaphors, you know. Like if you if you if you try to tell me technically how to to you know kick, it's going to take forever, and it's not going to make any sense to me. But if uh-huh. you kind of but if you say what it's like, oh well, that starts to, the conversation starts to to change.
1: Mm. Yeah, 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 and I absolutely agree. I mean, um, there is the there is another problem with only technical speaking is that you start to um, kind of uh, you tell yourself the story that you're precise about your perception of reality, while metaphors is bringing you again and again and again to the beginner mindset, which I think is much more uh, healthy and 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 uh, joyful. We live in because you know like i can tell you what it's like but we're not you know the the expansion that we did in understanding this thing is not linear it's not like you know today we said that kicking is like dancing disco uh mixed with um you know splits and then we will not come tomorrow and say like okay this was level one now level two you know <laughs> disco on uh, you, you know it's like yeah, but it's it's a moment that we both expand our understanding of it, but then we go back. Okay, kicks. You know, we come tomorrow. There's a, you know there's a new metaphor. Um, while if we speak technically, the the progression of information is more linear. I don't, and of course, this is also important to say as a disclaimer. It's not that I'm against. You know, I think it's good. Like, yeah, I'm not. There is no discussion about the importance of uh, the, the progression of, you know. What's technical thinking is a, uh, you know, you can say it's a, um, it's a, sci- it's a scientific thinking. It's logic. Philosophy is based on logic. It's extremely important. But I think that to think about creative thinking, which is metaphorical thinking, is something that is secondary or should be reserved for the non-important, luxurious um, uh, moments in, uh, you know, in practice in life. This is what creates this, uh, like you know, problematic. Imbalance,
0: you know? mm-hmm.
1: uh, because and at the end of the day, it's like what you said. This it, this thing is like this thing, you know. Trying to define in this way, it's um, imaginative empathy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if we break it down, only to levels. We have something external that we both look at. It's it's a god. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a belief. Mm-hmm. But if we try to find what in our experience. That is not right now, you know. Connects us. We practice empathy. Yeah. This is a... Um...
0: Yeah, that's. I was just thinking that as you were saying, is like there's. Um, I think I spoke with with Thomaslav English, and yeah. and he was kind of talking about this 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 problem that he was witnessing kind of between like Mm -hmm. practitioners and like academia, right? There's like this distance in between and that there needs to be a little more of this like collaborative gap that's crossed. Mm. And, and I was saying, I think, well, sometimes I think that like the, you know, the academia is speaking at this level that is not as, is readily available to the practitioners and then the practitioners are doing something else that makes it a little harder, but that bridging that you said, that empathy is metaphor, right? That ability to like cross and, and not and, and allow specializations or layers of specializations, that's the common language.
1: Well, it I think it also it can invite for for alternative exchanges. Mm-hmm. Which is also like, you know, again, I think um, because it creates empathy, you know, it's also creates a, pos- a more possibilities of give and take, mm. you know, and again, it's, it's inevitable not to go or not to go here into the economics of the whole thing. You know, you go up in the tower of academy or you go up in the tower of developing your business, you know, you're more and more closing yourself in this is how we do things. And that's the price and the price increases, you know, that's kind of the goal. But while the goal is, you know, you go up, you know, the the skill of academies, I I totally admire it as, you know, somebody that didn't go to university, you know, but I teach in universities Mm -hmm. and I totally, I admire the people I interact with. But I think that like, you know, if you take what they work on and you challenge them to bring it into metaphors that will help people who are not part of this game, to um, understand it, or at least to relate to it, not to understand it, to relate to it, you can create very, very interesting exchanges. Same story with art, by the way, like, you know, that's, you know, art that is not metaphorical is just fancy, you know? It's like, okay, you know, it's fancy. Art Art that is metaphorical, that is ambiguous enough you know, people can relate to it from, from a, a multiplicity of, uh, of, of ways of life. Um, there's empathy, there's exchange. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very easy to, nowadays the, the in the arts world, like, you know, conceptual art or like, you know, or hyper specialist again, you know, and then there is no metaphors to take it to somebody that, you know, doesn't know the whole theory, history and whatsoever and relate to it. And with movement, and you know, basically, with any body of knowledge, add metaphors. You will have more alternative exchanges. You don't need to pile up the knowledge and price it. Mm-hmm. You can get things that you want by people relating to what you do, not by people paying you because you are so amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and does it make sense when you think
0: it does? It does. I mean, and I mean, ultimately, it challenges the status quo, right? Because it, you know, it, and, and I and I dig that. I appreciate that. But it, I I I would like to see people be able to have these exchanges, and I'd like to be able to see the bridging of these gaps. But again, it 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 challenges some of these like hierarchies that want to keep like kind of like moving up the chain. I think.
1: Well, I mean, if we don't challenge the status quo, you know, what what are we doing as a society? You know, exactly. Like, in a way, like every. <laughs> I believe that anybody that's like, you know, that's over defending the status quo has too much to lose. The, 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 there is <laughs> no, I mean, it's, just, and it's too much to lose. And how did he get, how did he get there? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a wonderful work that is, uh, is totally unrelated to movement, but it's very related to this by American philosopher, um, John Rawls. Okay. That he coined the term, the veil of ignorance. And he says that you can judge any social system or circumstance by taking people and asking them if they would bet their position within this structure. Usually, you know, in many, you know, kind of like modern day societies, you have, you know, the people, you will have little people who would never bet their position. And many people who would happily bet their position. Then you have societies that are considered like, you know, general standards, a little bit more, you know, like more progressive. You said, you know, some of the Scandinavian countries and that it's more likely that even like, you know, let's say a very successful or somebody that is positioned like in a good place wouldn't mind to bet his place. Because if, you know, basically he would have to replace even with somebody low, it's not that terrible, Mm -hmm. you know. So, and the veil of ignorance, sorry, is also saying that like, you know, aside from the numbers and the the technical details here, it usually means that societies that people wouldn't give up their position are societies that people have more difficulty to imagine what it is not to be in the position.
0: Hmm.
1: So they're kind of covered by their own ignorance. They cannot imagine, you know, somebody rich that cannot imagine what it is to be poor. Somebody that's like, you know, um, have a house and cannot imagine what it is to be homeless somebody that um you know <laughs> and even you know somebody that can move freely and cannot imagine what it is never having the possibility not to develop these skills being handicapped so on and so on mm-hmm. so um i mean like i think that to pushing john Rawls is always good to a little bit increase that the moral standard of the conversation so i <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but i also that like in that sense, like, you know, I think that it's very important that some of the work will challenge the status quo for me as an artist, as a pedagogue, you know, it's always there somewhere in the list.
0: Mm. Right. Cause the, the, the work that you do, I always come back to something that Marlo told me where she said that, you know, the, she'd like to see like uh, the way we practice and the way we teach reflect the changes we'd like to see in the world. Um, which I always thought was really Mm kind of like beautiful. And I feel like that's a bit of what you're talking about, how it's like, you, you have these values and and broader perspectives that, um, influence the way you teach as well, where it's not just limited to like movement and art and creativity and these things. It's also like, it's speaking to something larger that, that is a, a value system or a belief system for you.
1: And not, not so long ago, somebody somebody that that uh, follows me for a long time on the internet. I mean, it's a person. It never studied with me in person, but like you know, years of of virtual interaction. And, you know, in one of my uh, little uh, articles, like you know, uh, I don't even remember what it was, but it was something connected to practice. And I think he said that for him, practice was always the place where, um, to quote, it was something like. Um, it's where the business of politics and um, uh, politics and, and, and morals and values um, can be left out and it can be just practice. Then my response was like, you know, um, the fact that you ignore these aspects of your perception doesn't mean that they're really staying out. You know, so it's like, um, again, it's, same story with the senses, like, you know, funny enough, you know, we can ignore the other senses, you know, but, you know, we ignore them. It's not that they're not there, you know, and consequence of ignorance is our, um, probably the riskiest uh, consequences, because, uh, you know, the, the, you do, you, you basically, you're killing, you know, you're shifting your awareness in order to, uh, to kind of escape rather than, to take it in and and try to meditate on it or to play with it.
0: Right. Right. And, and really, and, 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 and own the position, you know, like really, and, and, and realize that it's, um, even if we're just, I always say, like I was working with some people and I was was saying, it's like, Hey, let's just never forget that. We're at the end of the day, we're just playing. We're all just playing with each other. And that's, and that's beautiful. You know, like, let's, let's not forget that, but it's also like, owning that, like presenting to people and putting things out there and and teaching or whatever, even if it seems like it's just a small group among billions of people, this is a very, like, there's a lot of responsibility there, you know? So if you and I are people who believe in, in being playful, but then we have a practice where we're like, whatever. It's it's only serious or, or you know, it, it transcends playing with deadly seriousness. It's serious and it's militant and it's all these things. Well, it's like, well, well, what, well, what are we doing? You know, this is our small, small, large group that's going to go out there and, and take some piece of this in their nervous system and, and, and enter the world.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, when the other side of it is that then, um, you know, let's not forget that we never know the the you know the impact of our communication. You can work with a tiny group, and it will create a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and many times, to be kind of the person that changes the life of you know a village or a small town, you know, is huge. And you can be somebody that's like you know uh, uh, universal and and and. You know, and have very little like, you know, uh, impact on people's lives ex- except for, you know, that they know you. So it's like the potential of the potential is never, you know, should never be underestimated. That's what I'm saying. The potential contribution should never be underestimated. You know, presenting, working, communicating with a single person can create huge impact, you know, on, on life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, bo- and, and as you said, it goes both ways. You know, it can be like you know to bring people down or to lift people up, and it can be like you know to um, what it means to be like you know to speak about play, and then like you know uh, to be like you know very very stiff and very hierarchical and very like you know dogmatic, but also like you know to speak about play and actually bring to people's life another perspective that helps them to 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 deal with their own stuff, you know, and to go forward. And, um, you know, on both ways, there is a responsibility there.
0: Um, right. And, and in that way, presenting or, or teaching or facilitating or whatever the word is, um, it's an artistic act in that way. Right. It's like that that is like the same as an artist who's trying to create something that has some sort of effect. And and it's going to be different for everybody. But in in that way, doing a weekend workshop with you or, or, or or a two hour facilitation or whatever, that's an artistic creation that lives and is dynamic with that group and has that same potential.
1: Totally. Totally. Also today, you know, both, both in the, in the, this potential, you know, and, and also it's in its fragility, you know, that it's like, it's ephemeral. It's basically just like, you know, just like, as a very, uh, you know, a very personal vision, you know, a very, you know, a very short uh, but meaningful experience. And then it resonates into this whole, like, you know, facilitating. Um, look, pe- pe- pedagogy is like, is, is such a, is such an interesting world. Like, you know, it's like, again, as I said before, because I believe in skills, you know, this, this idea of like, you know, is it even possible to um, to accommodate people's life journey of adding skills and like you know and and working on their skills? And this is where it always starts. Is it even possible, you know? And then from there, um, what kind of a space uh, can be created for it? Uh, so, and again, you know, if we go back to the to modern modern day pedagogy and like you know uh, overemphasis on linear or like you know or show me show me what it is about so I can pay for it and then like let's go progression a progression b progression c progression d there's a big problem here because it's like it's kind of like not dealing with the fragility and the vulnerability of, of learning and skills you know which at the end of the day not dealing with it is like it's kind of like you know it's like building all these, like, you know, dysfunctional, beautiful uh, structures, but that like, you know, what's inside, you know, what can live inside, you know, what values is it based on, you know, and these things are a bit more paradoxical, paradoxical, uh, and they're a bit more tiring to put in your artistic creation of pedagogy. Mm-hmm. But on the, you know, kind of on a contribution level, I, I feel they have a very, very important place.
0: I think that's why I really enjoy our interactions, and also have the workshops I've gotten to do in person, but also like the stuff that we've done online. Is that it's respect? There's a lot of respect for the for a non-linear world, or not? Um, it's a lot of respect for complexity. It's a lot of respect for everybody is has different ways of learning. It's a lot of respect for everybody has different experiences and that that all of that is as rich as all the other things that have words that you can hand to to people. And I might be making an assumption, but I think oftentimes what you create space for is almost just facilitating an opportunity for people to make the discoveries that they need in those moments right and i and, and i don't know if it's intentional and i don't know if it's calculated but i think that that's what I, I think is really beautiful about that it's not like here is as you said kind of like the linear way it's almost like here's a whole universe maybe i'll teach you how to like fly a ship and then and then you start kind of creating the map through the universe
1: um, look i think that for example the um, one of the, the, I think for me, the most inspiring idea about pedagogy is to look at people and to keep reminding myself that the most important thing is what they will say or what they will create or what they will take and not what I think should be taken or said or created. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, so again, this skill, as we said before, it's like kind of an extraction, which is an excuse to something to kind of again to play and meditate with Mm -hmm. but then their experience should lead to something that is extremely important that i don't know as as the teacher as the space holder you know and this is the coherence with the art or even as the artist when i create something and i had like you know one of uh, my my first yoga teachers shimon benavi uh, from Israel, he he used to say, you know, like if you want to understand the teaching, in one sentence is like you can show uh, the horse the water, you cannot teach them how to drink. Um, you know, which I think it's a nice metaphor. Then, um, one of my Bhutto teachers, Tamar Borer, she's a Bhutto teacher from Israel, also. Um, she used to say that the kind of the experience of mind. Um, is like, um, it's like two birds um, uh one, one is standing on a tree and one is flying. Who's observing who? You know, that's your mind. So, you know, it's a little bit more abstract, this one, but um, that people all of a sudden have this kind of self-reflection. You know, and an honest and authentic self-reflection is like the horse deciding to drink water. I cannot tell people, okay, people, now concentrate really hard and meet yourself. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it sounds like yeah uh, uh, like, uh, <laughs> I,
0: I think that's a, <laughs> I, I think that's what you should right do next now. time that's your next workshop <laughs> <Cowards>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but jokes aside like you know you want to give something that is an excuse for people to extract something extremely important for them, you know mm-hmm. how to do it. You know this is kind of the this is kind of the excitement of, of, of uh, creating.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I said that you. I, I mean, I, when I watch you teach, you approach it very much. And sometimes the word teaching may not even be the right word. I I, I keep kind of falling into that word facilitating or something. But um, I think sometimes people teach and they want to be able to go home and look at themselves in the mirror and kind of like flex and be like, Oh, look how good I did. You know, every person left that workshop being able to do a makaku or something, um, yeah. which is more like more of a reflection of them. And I think you have this w- willingness to be like, I, I I'm going to give you some tools and and now you're you going to, you're going to learn how to fish and you get to go out and do some fishing. And I, and I'm not going to tell you what fish you have to catch I'm not going to tell you what stream you have to fish in, but like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you how to fish a little bit. And then you get to go out and like do that a little bit more. And that means some people leave and they can do makakus and, but everyone leaves with like a different way of kind of, of interacting with different environments. And, and, and that's really magical. And also it takes a lot of confidence, I think on the part of a teacher to be like that, that i can be proud of it doesn't have to always be something that has like words that people walk out the door with
1: well um there is something maybe and i would actually like to hear your experience of accommodating after i add this uh, little spice here because you recently started teaching a class that is called infinite play yeah maybe it's uh, it's somehow connected uh there is something about rather than uh, uh, i think to serve and to surprise you know this is the two verbs that i think about uh, in the context of uh, of creating a space and it's true that like you know it's not again this is a very a very similar thing between my teaching and my uh, creation as a choreographer there's there's things i like and there's my skills these two are excuses for forms but the real work is to serve them and to make people And to surprise, because the surprise is like the moment that like, you know, you're being caught off guard. And then without me shouting at you, meet yourself, you can be like, you know, all of a sudden these two birds, that one is like flying and the other one is observing it. Or the moment that you see the water and you said to go like the horse. When you're all of a sudden, like, you know, you kind of, you have this fall, fall from your, your, your beliefs and the grip on your mind. And then you're open to kind of to realize okay where i am now what new tool i can you know use to 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 be in this uh, space mm-hmm. um one of uh, in one of my uh, intensives uh, bows and arrows that uh, was in italy uh, before the reality realities already like uh, two, two years ago the last one and um, so one of the things in one day that like you know the whole the, the last edition was very much focused on partnering and I felt that there was this kind of, you know, hunger for more like, you know, uh, acrobatics or, or challenges that are like, you know, about forms. Mm-hmm. I took everybody to the to the grass, you know, and it was like kind of a, in Italy, this like kind of a, a bit more like an open field. And I was like, okay, you see that people want to go on the floor and to, to, to kind of take risks. So we're going to do today, and I'm looking at the clock, we have hour and a half before dinner, 100 macacos. <laughs> <laughs> then everybody goes like this, like, you know wait what does it mean <laughs> how to do, uh, succeed like okay i mean let's let's try but wait what if you don't know you're not going to divide this into groups and, all that, and it's like no let's all you know take this challenge together and see how we you know how we make the best out of it it was fascinating because like you know predominantly i don't think that anybody left this this day and was like you know and it was about the macaco you know the the um, In a totally different circumstances, I could bring the same thing and it would be like, you know, a technical execution of like, you know, swinging the arm, jumping backwards, dealing with fears. But at this moment, it was like I was serving a surprise that allowed people to experience from themselves. And they said beautiful things, very different. Um, And maybe you can relate to it in your new offering of infinite play, because like, you know, this is sound like uh, serving a bunch of surprises, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, For me, and through some of the experience that we have, and I think that in movement, and maybe I should, I would say movement culture, but I would just say movement in general. I think that people kind of get stuck in maintenance and like technique layer. And maybe that's what I was feeling at certain points. And I think that it's important to get to like the free play layer. And I think that's probably what it would be for all practices. So at some point in jujitsu, we got to roll. And at some point in surfing, we got to get out and like try to ride some waves. Um, so for instance, like fitness would obvious, obviously stay in maintenance. And sometimes I think in dance, probably people stay in just free play and maybe in technique or something. But in movement, I just felt like it wasn't getting to that. And when we're like, oh, we're speaking to like this generalist place. Like we need we need to like get out there and, 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 and roll basically. And that's where the surprises are. That's how, you know, obviously there's micro surprises working through techniques and different things, but I'm like, how do we facilitate those like real wonderful moments of like the ego drifts and you're like, you're you're in free fall for a moment, you know? Yeah. And 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 not playing with the intention to win and not playing with the intention of, that's why I chose the name Infinite Play, which is the, the book that I sent you, uh, Finite and Infinite. Which is Game. a wonderful book. Oh, I'm, ha- I'm happy you're enjoying it. Um, but it was that idea of playing to play versus playing to win. You know, when we play to play, yeah. we approach things in this playful way. We're willing to, willing to be surprised. We're willing to accept uncertainty. And I wanted to create something that that facilitated that. And I think like some of the things you do, but I think a lot of the teachers that I've enjoyed the most... Oftentimes, people might show up and they get kind of caught up on the content. So, like you know, we play these different games, and people get caught up on the content of the game, and that's wonderful. I I I've, I love that people enjoy the content, but I, it's really more the the message. It's more of the the idea of being like, have these moments where we we potentially have moments to get out of our own way, right? And and. To kind of bring it back to my comment about you and and values and and reflecting like what we want to see in the world i want to see people and i want to see a world that embraces uncertainty rather than embraces control so creating a space where we're like we're welcoming uncertainty and and, and not only are we welcoming welcoming it but we're like yeah bring it on uncertainty is amazing
1: then <laughs> <laughs> There, then I think that like, for example, if, you know, to, to do things repeatedly, we need them, um, we need, you know, scientific tools. Um, but, you know, to experience a surprise, this is, I think this is why we need art. You know, this kind of, you know, like you you called it beautifully, like, you know, it's like a free fall, ego falls, and you're kind of, you're ready. And, uh, and you said, to get caught up on the content. And I think that one of the biggest problems of, uh, of like, uh, again, of our era, is that, uh, we're confusing between art and content many times. No yeah. content is content, but art is experience. You know, and teachers that create experience is teachers that really have potential of contribution, in my opinion. Also artists uh, that create experience. And, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, even... Um, that uh, even you can say that like, uh, there is something about science that, you know what, at best it improves the ability to experience. You know, it's not, um, you know, it's a progress that is designed for us to be able to experience more and not, you know, something that we're supposed to believe in, you know, to put faith in. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's really nice what you say, and I think that, you know, yeah, you know, play in that sense, you know, like this infinite play is like, you know, it's an artistic, it's an artistic open space for people to experience. You know, and uh, maybe to, to return to it again and again. This is why they need the science of movement. They need the repetitions. They need the like you know to strengthen themselves or whatever it is that like you know is relevant to, to the context that you're creating.
0: Well, and I also realized that it's like, and again, it's probably something you can relate to. But it's like unless you go there and go to that place, you may not actually have all the information to go and know what techniques to spend time on or know mm. where you need maintenance. Like I might sit and do shoulder mobility for five years, but if I had gone and free played, I might've been like, Oh, my shoulders are fine for right now for the things that I'm doing. And then if I find like, Oh, I'd like to have this little technique so that when I'm in this space, I have a little more tools and then I go there and I'm like, Oh, cool. now I've worked on that technique, but through that technique, I realize like, Oh, I'd like to have a little bit more, um, bravery to steal a term from you, in my knees. So maybe I'll spend some time in maintenance so that when I kind of come back, but it's kind of, um, it's a, it's a feedback space aside from like a space that facilitates surprise and and discovery.
1: Yeah. And it's beautiful what you say, because it's almost like, you know, it leads us to another something that for me is pedagogically fundamental, that the, the role, like, you know, a successful learning process, is the person in front of you kind of um leaves a successful school you know a school should lead you to go out and create your own thing mm-hmm. and i mean of course that like you know for example in our case you know our our exchange is not an exchange you're not a student in my school cuz i don't have a school you know we have an ongoing dialogue mm-hmm. but a discipline or or a body of work or a class is kind of like a school and at the end of the day, you know, people need to hang out there with at the end of the day and to leave, you know, not to stay there forever, like and kind of kind of circle around. Uh, and then I think that, that, again, if we speak about like, you know, very, very inspiring teachers, um, very inspiring bodies of work is the ones that make you go somewhere else. Like, you know, like, for example, again, it might be the infinite play. You don't consider it like like a school, but it's like what you say is like people basically might get there the insights that they need to work on something outside and return or just to work on some on something outside and it's also totally fine um another reference that comes to my mind I was working with my injury with um uh, hunter cook that he's a uh, he's a uh, quite a famous coach uh, frc in stretch you know whatever but it's not about not that I want to kind of speak about the method that he does, but like I've almost never met a coach that by working with me, he inspired me to stop, <laughs> you know, like it was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm it's like it's pushing me into my, um, into my, my way of expressing other things, mm. you know, it's like, and that's kind of empowerment. That's kind of the goal of teaching. Like, you know, you don't, I mean, if you go back to the academy, like, you know, uh, this is the metaphor, like you want to get people to get smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter for them to write a book, you know, for example, on their own outside of, of, of the academy, whatever, like, you know, rather than like, you know, you, go, you get higher and higher and higher in order just to just maintain this. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like you know this this idea that you said that you want to make people, you know, experience this thing that challenges them, and then like you know, it gives them insights. Okay, like you know, what what should I do following this? Like you know, what
0: where where does it push me? Yeah, I think that you know, and again, I think you're the same way. And I'm I I know it because we exchanged a message on Instagram about this as well. But I think that. Um people are very quick to give answers when they should be asking questions. And I think that creating free play environments, and I would also say in a lot of your class, your workshops, is there's not sitting around being like, here's one answer, here's another answer, here's another answer, here's another answer. It's just kind of being like, let me just serve you a bunch of questions and speculations. And I want to hear all the answers. And in this case, in like a play setting, it's like, I'm going to watch and, and play with all the answers and see, oh my gosh, look at all these things that were like, they're learning and it's happening and they're talking about it and you know, that's, that's, that's sharing and everybody taking their experiences and bringing it all to the table, as opposed to being like everybody line up <laughs> and everybody do the exact same move over and over.
1: Because how, how I would answer these questions with my skills, mm-hmm. but if I give my skills to the people, I give them a compromised, a, a diluted version of my experience if I give them the questions that led me to choose my skills, you know, they can come up with greater stuff. Like, you know, honestly, of course I have to present also my skills because that's like, you know, my, unfortunately, that's the only answer that I can give. Mm-hmm. You know? But the question is much more important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 we, and we see this, right. We see a lot of people who are just like, it's answers, it's answers, it's answers. And it's like, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I think that there's so much that we give to people by asking good questions, by the like reflection that comes from <coughs> asking good questions. You know, I'm so impressed with like really wonderful questions that are totally open, and they're like, I'm not giving you an answer. Here's just something to like go and chew on. You know, I think you did that really well by um, even finishing one of your little Instagram threads with like you know like a Zen koan, and I'm sure plenty of people are like what the hell is he talking about? But it was like, but, that's, but that's, that's the beauty. It's being like, I could say some things to you that are very clear, but there might be something more special about you having to go and like be with this for a little while and, and, and find where it takes you because it might be something very similar it could be totally different, but the journey it takes you to get to that reflection might be the more magical thing.
1: Totally. I mean, the the um, there is also that that can be also one of the meeting points between meditation and play. Because Zen koans are basically are a strategy of practicing meditation, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think he says it in Infinite Play, the book that you send me, but like um, not exactly in these words. I'm, I'm a little bit interpreting, but he says something that like, you know, sports is like, you know, is... Sports all started from this question, what do we do with this, you know, with this space, with this uh, object, with this, uh, uh, with this uh, human uh, characteristic. Um, and then, of course, once you decide an answer, you can go into sports. But what if you, but to play, you basically you can keep on asking, you know, again, the difference between kids and athletes, you know, every time with the ball, what are we going to do with this ball? We're seven people, what are we going to do? Like, you know, uh, so... This is kind of the question is, this is the, this bridge between meditation and play, which is, is quite an interesting way to think about it, mm-hmm. you know, because asking this question when I practice will lead me to one of these direction or to, you know, a mix of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, again, answers is just, it sends me on a, on a, a bit more of a linear progress.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I I don't know if you've listened to this guy, Daniel Schmachtenberger, who's one of these like thinkers nowadays, and he's on a lot of podcasts and stuff, but he often and I said it earlier, but he often refers to the idea of complicated versus complex and how we often approach complex problems with complicated answers. Right. Uh-huh. And and he kind of compares. He's like, you know, a house is complicated, a forest is complex. Right. Uh-huh you burn the house down, it's not gonna grow back. You burn yeah. a part of a forest down, it's gonna grow back. So that's yeah. kind of like like those things are like what makes it a little different, but... Um, Humans are complicated, nature is complex. Well, We've chosen to be complicated now. we chosen. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. There's also like, you know, there's also the the Miyamoto Musashi uh, uh, a book that he goes about that like, you know, the, to take the biggest thing slightly and the most like, you know, Uh, unimportant things greatly Uh, this is like you know this is the key to uh to to, i don't remember what he's referring to Um, something important the key to something great (laughs)
0: yeah yeah Yeah. but but yeah to bring it back around yeah i just i think it's it's valuable to like be posing questions it's it's valuable to like and and to me questions are are through tools like imagination, through tools like constraints, through tools like games, you know? Like if you say, you know, you've had me do some pretty great things, you know, whatever, um, play for 10 minutes as as an animal, pick an animal, whatever. That's a question. That's not an answer, That's that you're posing a question now. Like what happens is, what does it look like today if you be an animal that comes to your mind right now? You know, it's a question that I get to go find the answer to, not you saying, here's the answer to this problem and and it's a i think it's an important quality in terms of again like the changes we i would like to see in the world it's like you know mm. let's 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 be let's speculate more let's ask more questions you know let's let's be that kind of like playful way with the world as opposed to just being like shouting answers to people you know i feel like we couldn't have this conversation right now if it was just a series of you and i with with beautiful answers to everything <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah it's it's kind of this idea of opening like Mm -hmm. you know um
0: uh, opening possibilities Mm -hmm. you know basically it also kind of challenges um i'll say this because i know it's probably late over there and you probably gotta get going we've been on for a while but i do want to say it challenges a bit of this again i had a couple conversations with people about this this hierarchy structure that Starts to kind of exist in all things, right? We see it in in dance, and we see it in jujitsu. And there are moments now where we see it like in movement, where it's like these hierarchies start to to develop. And when I talk to some people, they you know like Thomas was talking about wanting to flatten it out and be like I, I I imagine more of this flattening where we don't have the hierarchy. It's just a lot of people sharing information and sharing ideas and sharing experiences. And it might take us longer to get to whatever our quote goals are, but there's a lot more unique qualities that are being passed around. It's not just the same information. Um, But I think what happens often is that if we have a hierarchy to kind of bring it back to this idea of asking questions instead of answers, is that like the hierarchy is full of answers, Mm -hmm. right? And the flattening is full of questions. And- Yeah, sorry, I'm, yeah. Going. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that.
1: No, I must say that I have here a little bit, I have a little bit of res- resistance to the idea of flattening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think again, you know, I'm, I'm, I really think that like, you know, challenging the status quo is very important on a systematic level. But there must be a small disclaimer, at least the way that I uh, consider things, if if we're talking about like, for example, movement. Um, what I presented about skill is like, you know, the repetition of returning to a space and researching it and asking questions about it mm-hmm. is not creating a hierarchy, but it creates differences. Something that I, I see also very often, like, you know, aside from, a, you know, like you said, that the hierarchy of like, you know, kind of like yeah, of, of, of products. You know, like maybe, and I don't know again exactly what to mislab related to, or um, or other people. But when everything becomes um, a commodity, everything becomes a product. It creates a very very strong kind of like you know, this product, this product, this product. This is very limited. On the other hand, you know, and it's it's not on the other hand, is it? Like you know, a parallel phenomena maybe that we're losing a little bit of um you know our ability to um define certain standards of contribution um which means that like you know there is a little bit of a problem if i'm like you know if i've been training uh, whatever it is for two and a half years you know and i'm already like you know holding a uh, uh, teacher uh, teacher's courses and there is a problem of, uh, of um, me demanding uh, or proposing, like you know, uh, crazy uh, uh, skills or crazy feats with my 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 joints or or with my relationship with the floor of the space, without like you know having a gradual process of asking questions about it with people over time. You know, the skill of supposedly of accommodating space or teaching, and these things we cannot we cannot flatten flatten them up. flatten them out in my opinion you know because it can create you know it's it's almost like you know it becomes nihilistic you know let's pretend that we are really you know and again what i'm saying might be a little bit controversial but let's pretend we are all totally equal okay it's 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 problematic it's going from one extreme to the other extreme okay I'm, I've come to many spaces and this is, you know, where we started the conversation with it. Like, you know, there's, there's sometimes this kind of interesting paradox, which I feel is very artistic in my case, of me wanting to give up control, but also me feeling the responsibility of the contribution. And then like, you know, I've been to spaces that like, I felt that there is a lot of of, 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 there is, there is no, if we're talking about the skill that we're talking about now, you know, I'm not, I cannot give up my position. You know, if we're talking about, think about, uh, you know, psychology. You know, would you want, you know, when somebody with sincere uh, uh, mental problems to go to somebody that's like, you know, that's like have been uh, practicing psychology with their uh, sister or with their best friend only. You know, of course, you know, having the experience doesn't mean that you do it well. But also, let's let's not uh, let's be responsible in mm-hmm. a certain way. Let's not go you know, too far out with these things. And so th- there is here a, an interesting balance that is again, is like, you know, I cannot define it. I don't know enough and I'm not experienced enough to exactly say what's the standard of what. Usually, you know, I like to think that like, you know I, I'm not, you know, my position is never higher but I have different experiences. And in some contexts, my experience is more valuable than other people's experience. You know, it's in some context, you know, again, I can choose also not to go to the context of this experience is like, you know, but there's a little bit of a problem with like, you know, the desire to flatten things in movement, Mm -hmm. just because I feel it's a bit too extreme in order to, you know, to contain the complexity. It is complex, Mm -hmm. you know, this world of movement.
0: Right. There should Matheme be, it's almost it's a
1: bit too simple to solve it.
0: Right. It's almost being like, well, maybe there needs to be some like topography there. It's like a map where there's like, some, <laughs> yes. like peaks and there's some valleys and stuff. And it's like, you know, but, mm. it, but, it, but it's full of a lot of them where we can kind of like go up some and then come back down to a valley. And then you and I meet there and we camp and we, like, we cook and we talk about things. Then you're like, Oh, hey, you know what? I'm going to go Love to this peak, and I'm going to go to this other peak. And then we'll come back and we'll camp next month.
1: And for sure this topography shouldn't be based, uh, shouldn't be typography of products. It should be typography of situations of people of experiences, not of products. The hierarchy of products is really not that beneficial, in my opinion, to anyone except for the people who make oh, loads of money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's why you know we're, we, you, we we actually have to shop around for our houses and in our in our apartments and like strategize. We'll we'll always have to be that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I, I'm going to let you go here in a moment. So, uh, and it feels funny because I feel like we just had this, like, I don't know. It's the conversation that like, it's like my favorite kind of conversation to have.
1: Are we not going to do a podcast. I thought, no. I thought we're we not going to start the podcast.
0: Yeah. We're, we'll start it right now, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's like my kind of conversation and now I have to be like, okay, so what what would you like to sh- announce to everybody that you're that you're doing? How does everybody find you?
1: Uh, I I think I really think that uh, that that for to respect uh, the the since we didn't do a podcast, I will give up this position. You know, <laughs> that, uh, pe- people can uh, people who are interested can find me, uh,
0: and that's we can the, we can leave it with this. <laughs> I think I think that's the better way to do it. It's more fitting. Yeah yeah a like a uh,
1: like, uh, banksy you know i'm uh, i'm
0: keeping it yeah well what, what i what, what, well what you should do is the uh the day that i publish this podcast you should delete your instagram Abs- all all social media all social media identity that would be a pretty epic like statement artistic performance that would yes. be. I thank you because now
1: you basically, you basically say that if I don't do it, like, you know, this whole thing, this whole two two hours just collapse. (laughs) The only way way to respect all of these huge statements that I just threw (laughs) in this uh, conversation.
0: Yeah, no, the the only way you get checkmate on this podcast is by deleting everything. (laughs) And then when, and then when people come looking for you at your new house in Barcelona, the place is burnt down, right? There's just, there's just, there's just, there's a little bit of smoke coming because it happened the night before, but that's, it's, it's gone. And you're just, you're you've totally vanished. <laughs> Sounds right? amazing. And then someone Sounds finds beautiful. you in 30 years at the top of a mountain.
1: Sounds beautiful. Let's see. Let's see what happens. You know, I still have a couple of days,
0: no? Yeah, no, you've got, you've got prep. You got a couple of weeks, so you can start figuring out how you're going to hide yourself.
1: Yeah, I want to, but instead I want to also another thing. I want to congratulate you because I was the first guest, right? Mm-hmm. And you did fifty episodes since then, mm-hmm. and I have, a, you know, I, I feel that they, I'm not sure that I even spoke to fifty people in the past year. You know, I'm that much of a <laughs> that much of a freak, but like you must be so much smarter than me now after all of these uh, insights
0: well let me just say this throughout throughout this entire conversation i was thinking about how much smarter i am than you i was (laughs) thinking about every time you said something i was like god i wish we could really get it together here because i am way beyond here i'm not even (laughs) sitting in a chair i told you that you people think you levitate i am levitating right now (laughs) (laughs) um you know when we did that first one it was only be i mean because when we did it it was like May or something. And it was like, Mm -hmm. lockdown was on quarantined everywhere. It was right when you started doing some online workshops. Cause I think you felt that thing of like, Oh man, people are really in a rough position and like, they're stuck at home. Like, what can I do? And that was like the thing I was just like, Oh, like, I really, I love talking to people. And I think you knew at least not long after that, I was going through some like pretty, um, massive, philosophical changes in practice and practice and movement and everything. And I really wanted to like connect with people. And I really enjoyed getting to share that with other people. And I think coming from stand up I felt pretty confident about like doing it, like, you know, with people I hadn't met before. And also at that time doing it with like the live audience. So I was like, oh, well, we'll do a few of these at the time. I thought the pod, you know, the, the, the quarantine would end in, I don't know, a month or two and it'd be like, oh, this'll be fun. And we'll pick up a few people. I never thought that it would turn into like, a regular podcast, um, but it's been probably my favorite thing of the last year. It really has to like get to talk to, I don't know, it, it, the The whole world has kind of exploded for me through these conversations and the level of like brilliance and genius and unique experiences and, and insight is like, I don't know, I want more people to have it because I think, you know, as we said earlier, like, we we were very quick to choose teams and, and put hats on and put jerseys on. And through these conversations, I'm just like, there's like, there's so many teams I want to like, go play their game. And then I want to go to that person's game. And then I want to try that one too, because there's there's so much. And, and yeah, even with the internet where it's all accessible, people are, I think are very quick to like, put their stamp on something when... When not just the world, but the movement world—people who are doing amazing things—it's huge.
1: That's inspiring. That's inspiring to to to, to, to learn that you know, because uh, and I, I think it's something not to take for granted uh, the fact that after you you spoke with fifty people about movement, you know, and uh, and that's that's basically your um, your response. That's your insight, or that's that there's so much going on that is worth. Uh, um, exploring and meeting and learning and exchanging about i think it's
0: beautiful so uh, i congratulate you thank you it, me- it means a lot but it also it, you know it means it means a lot that after 49 you came back to do number 50 <laughs> that, that 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 it lasted long enough and not only do number 50 but even uh uh recommend somebody to do that for me to interview so i uh, you know I, I appreciate that as well. Cause it's uh, but I, I really do stand by it. You know, I'll put this in the recording cause I do want people, I, I, I need to say it again. I think that people get caught up on like one methodology or one person or one something, but it's so huge and it's so beautiful and like so many just amazing ideas and the distance between the people who I found to be like these amazing thinkers, the distance really isn't that far. Like the distance between, you and Paul Schreiner is, is, is not even centimeters, you know, the distance (laughs) between like, um, um, like Marlo and Tomislav is like fractions, you know, or like between Margot Ciccarelli and, and Yosef Rusek. It's just like, these are small distances. We're not talking about like, you know, massive philosophical. I mean, it's like, it's all so similar, but it's, it, you know, amazing crazy. but but just coming at it from so many different experiences that like make the message really like come through on like dolby digital surround sound
1: absolutely crazy and um, i think we can collaborate in this one that like you know um more metaphors more empathy and less uh, team choosing mm-hmm. yes
0: i think that, that 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 should be like the new mantra the new mantra say I, it, I just, say it one okay. more time um, more metaphors,
1: uh, more empathy, mm-hmm. and less uh, team choosing.